Hey everybody, this week I'm pretty much obsessed. It's all about Marvel Now. We talk about all the new number one issues and jumping on points for your favorite Marvel titles. Uh, we also go into breaking news out of New York Comic Con this week and talk about the new HBO series Westworld. And of course, we'll continue to talk about all our favorite ongoing comic books across the spectrum this week on Pretty Much Obsessed. I'm going crazy because real life sucks and I quit my job because I hate it so much. But I got new books and like they're the best. So let's talk about them because I'm pretty much obsessed. Pretty much obsessed. Pretty much obsessed. Pretty much obsessed. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Pretty Much Obsessed. Uh, as always, uh, my name is Dalton. My name is Chris. And uh, we are back in separate states again this week. Uh, it was so wonderful to be in the same room as my uh, co-host here, but uh, I'm back in New York. How is it? Man, it's fine. How's your weather? I've got, a, I've got a little bit of a cold, so I apologize if I'm like hacking into the microphone throughout the podcast. I'm going to try to avoid that. Um, you guys, but got, this is you guys. Did, oh, you, did you hear what I asked about the weather in New York? It's f- look, man. Let's not get into the weather right now. You know how I feel about the weather. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fall. I like it. Yeah, we have a really nice fall day here. Mm. I really like uh, these cool fall days, except the sun. The thing I don't like about it is I feel like the sun is brighter this time of year, and it like gives me a headache. Fair. I hate the sun. Yeah. As comic book nerds, we prefer the darkness and the indoors. I thought it was more like the the, the Robert Smith fan in me, like the God <laughs> kid. Well, and the Batman fan in you. Okay, sure. I'll take yeah. That. I'll take that. Uh, it was a huge week. It's Marvel now. We've been kind of talking about it the last couple of weeks, you know, leading up to it. But this week was the big launch of Marvel now with a bunch of new number ones and stuff. So we're going to be basically be getting into... These jumping on points, these number ones, seeing what we recommend, uh, talking about them a little bit. Spoiler free, uh, for the most part. We'll give you a warning if we're going to talk about any spoilers. Uh, but first, any other nerdy news that you saw this week that caught your eye? It's Comic Con right now in New York. So, oh, is it? Yeah, it is New York Comic Con right now. So I, uh, there's there's some new announcements coming out. I for one, I saw the uh, the first Power Rangers trailer. You didn't want to? You didn't go? <clears throat> Why didn't you go to New York Comic Con? I always miss the uh, I miss the cutoff for the tickets. I always like find out about it once they're already sold out. Mega fail, dude. Next year we should go together. We'll do a we'll do a trip there and talk that would be about it. So rad. Can I dress up like Sinestro? I mean, you can literally dress up as anybody. Will you be Hal Jordan? Uh, I don't like Hal Jordan. No one really does. <laughs> so don't um, make me be Hal Jordan. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, to all you Hal Jordan fans, <laughs> I, he's he's good. He's fine. Uh, <laughs> I just like Sinestro better. Um, no, there's some pretty good news this week. Uh, there was a Justice League behind the scenes footage thingy that Zack Snyder okay. tweeted out. Did you catch that? Uh, is that the thing with? Uh, I just saw like a little GIF of Aquaman dropping his trident. Is that from that? That might be. From I don't that. know. I'm not sure. I literally I saw it like probably 30 seconds before we started recording. I, well, they they there's a whole bunch of stuff. It cuts to a lot of different stuff, and it's all like behind the scenes footage of them working on this movie. But it looks pretty cool, uh, and you even get to see a little snippet of Henry Cavill in the blue Superman suit, which kind of gives away that. I mean, what He's we already back. knew, which is yes, he is coming back. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of was thinking he'd probably be in his black suit the whole time. 
because traditionally that's when Superman comes back to life, he's in a black suit with a mullet. But it looks like Great. they're maybe not doing that, which is fine. Cause they're not was, even doing the mullet? Well, 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 we'll see. He didn't have it in the in the thing that Zack Snyder posted. but That's a shame. Maybe they'll um, CGI it on later. I just I wasn't really looking forward to them making him like even more brooding than he already was. And I feel like the black suit and long hair would have just sort of made him even more just like, oh, <laughs> dad, you know. <laughs> so um so yeah, that's pretty cool. I'm I'm managing to still be excited for that movie even though you're staying strong. I feel like I shouldn't be. I feel like I should just temper my expectations now. But whatever. I want it to be good. Um, also, whoever it is that's writing Wonder Woman right now, mm-hmm. I'm, I don't have the name here, but apparently he recently came out and said uh, Wonder Woman is bisexual. Okay. Have you seen that? That's this? cool. You, you haven't no. seen that? Okay. So that's making a pretty big splash. Obviously, people are upset because... Because people get upset about everything. Yeah, because that's the world that we live in. Uh, mm-hmm. to, to me, it's kind of just like, okay, well, first of all... I think Wonder Woman's sexuality has always been left a little bit vague. And what this writer basically said was, well, she's she's from Themyscira, where it's it's all women. So obviously they have same-sex relationships, which, you know, may, may be true. It checks out. <laughs> it's not like, you know, this one, just because this guy's writing Wonder Woman right now doesn't mean he gets to define the character permanently. But uh, I mean, they kind of do, though. That's kind of what you do when you have control of the character. You can make changes. Other creators can retcon that later, you know. Well, okay, fair enough. But you did get to go through and do that. So, yeah, I mean, that's... that's. I don't know why... I feel like people have this obsession with, like, boxing people in with, the, with like, you know, he's straight, he's gay, he's bi. Um, like, can we... Like, why do we have to make a big deal about this is kind of my thing. Yeah, my... I, I don't necessarily like like the big announcement factor of it. Like we have to make this huge announcement that now Iceman is gay. Like I'd rather just let the storytelling do it, you know. Yeah. And yeah. the storytelling does do it, you know. If you go back and read the stories, like for example, the the Hail Hydra thing with Steve Rogers that was just recently a big deal. I read the issue and I was like, okay, I'm excited to see. It. Like I didn't even think it was a big deal in my head. I was like, yeah. oh, the story led up to that. I'm interested to see where that goes. And then later, I saw that Marvel had done this press release, and now it was like the biggest news in the world, you know. But when I was just reading, I was like, oh, <clears throat> that's where they're going with this character. Yeah. So but, you know, whatever. That's that's fine. That's all good and well. Yeah. Uh, but I got to get back to this. There was a trailer for the new Power Rangers movie. Okay. Yeah. 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 At Comic Con this morning, and is it online? Yeah, it doesn't look terrible. Really? It, I mean, I don't know if I'm going to say that it looks good, but I'm interested. Oh, like, gosh. it's 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 fun. It's a fun trailer. Like, it seems clever and uh, funny, and uh, you know, I. It seems like it, it's it's going to do a good job of like taking it seriously while also really playing into the campiness of it. Does it look which, pretty, uh, pretty kid friendly? To you? Yeah, it looks like kid-friendly, but also adult-friendly. Um, you know... I'm just uh, taking, a, I'm taking a quick peek at it right now. Yeah, everyone, everyone watch this Power Rangers trailer, because I was surprised. Uh, We're going to probably cut some of this out <laughs> while I watch this.
Ooh, Johnny Cash cover. Oh, oh, quite the so, tease there at the end. You, you probably heard a little break there while uh, Chris watched the trailer. Yeah, we uh, just we just time warped you. Yeah, it's fun, right? Uh, yeah. It's- it it looks good. I wanted to see some suits, and then you start. It to see teases it. the suit at the end. Yeah, yeah. doesn't let you get the whole thing. When they released the image, the the promo image a little while back that showed them in the suits, I was kind of like, uh, I don't know. It looks kind of fun. It looks like they're playing into the campiness of it. Yeah, I mean, like I want to say I'm in. Like, I, there's a good chance I will see this. Yeah. But there's also uh, a good chance I'll wait a couple days when it comes out and just make, like, see, you know, see what yes. people are saying. Yeah. I feel you. Oh, the other big thing this week, uh, we watched Westworld. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, we're going to talk uh, about that. I want to I wanna do a little Westworld, maybe, like, after we talk about books. Talk okay, about, we'll do that talk at about the end, yeah. Talk episode of Westworld. Yeah. Um, I wanted to say, Ben Affleck, <laughs> y- you may remember... Um, you may remember we talked about in a previous episode, I think it might have been last week, where Ben Affleck, or not Ben Affleck, but the CEO of Time Warner had said that the Batman movie was going to be out in 18 months. Yeah. Um, that's probably not true. Seemed pretty fast. Yeah. Ben Affleck was on some kind of promo thing for The Accountant, his new movie, The Accountant with Anna Kendrick. Yeah. It's like a... Facebook live video on E News, which that's that's what I have in my notes here. I don't know uh, what the hell that even means. I love being a millennial. Yeah, um, <laughs> but apparently he he talked a bit about the Batman movie. He said there is currently no script, no title, and no budget for the movie. I thought he said it was going to be called the Batman. Yeah, no. Didn't he say that? that's like, like a working title though? Yeah, maybe. like it's just kind of like what they're calling it, but there's no right. official title. So okay. Um, that's all just, you know, the, the internet becomes a giant echo chamber whenever some little piece of news comes out, people re reblog it and talk about it until on their podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so just to temper expectations there, don't expect the Batman movie to come out in March of 2018 because it probably won't. It'll probably be longer. Um, also Fair. one last thing, FNAF sister location came out yesterday. Oh, yeah. And it was originally like the creator was like, I don't know if I'm going to release this tomorrow because it's too scary. I'm having some doubts. Did you see that? No. The day before the release, the the, the creator was like, hey, guys, I'm trying to decide what to do. Uh, I might delay the release. I've been looking back over it, and what I've done here is kind of really sick, and I don't know if I can release it as is. i got to see. Maybe I need to rework the story. I'll keep, keep, keep you guys updated. But then but it came kinda- out on time. It kind of sounds like Scott Cawthon just like messing yeah. with people. Yeah, that's some you know some good marketing for it. Yeah, yeah. He's he's a genius. He's amazing. Have you have have you watched any of it yet? Uh, I saw gameplay? I saw the Kotaku review. Okay. Um, but I didn't watch any videos or anything. It seems like this game is a lot more complex than the previous games have been gameplay wise. Yeah, I will not <laughs> be playing it. But well, I'm, but I'm. I don't watch... think you've played any of them. <laughs> Huh? <laughs> I've played the first one a little bit. We played we played some last year together. Yeah. Um, I will watch Markiplier beat it, for sure. Yeah. Uh, they're scary games. They're freaky. Yeah, they're really good. If you don't know Five Nights at Freddy's, I mean, I think basically everybody knows at this point, but 
they are. I don't know. I wouldn't have heard of it if it wasn't for you. It's a it's a Steam game. It's usually like ten bucks or something. Like they're pretty cheap games, but yeah. they're about like a Chuck E. Cheese type kind of family restaurant where the robots come to life at night and kill. Um, and there's like this whole twisted backstory and myth- uh, mythology that people have like pieced together online from like little clues inside the game. Like it's not really spelled out for you, but if you like look at all the small details, like sort of this really terrifying backstory emerges. And it's, yeah, it's very puzzling and complex and vague and, and you can get lost in a rabbit hole of watching people analyze the, the plot and the mythos on YouTube, which I have many times. So very good stuff. A lot of cool merchandise too. Like if you go into a hot topic store, they've got tons of FNAF stuff now. Yeah, so does uh, GameStop, I was noticing. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Anything else news-wise? I don't think so. Let's talk about some of these Marvel Now books. All right. Um, So, uh, as we've talked about before on the podcast, Marvel Now uh, is starting up this month. What that is is... uh, Basically, Marvel is is taking this month to sort of refresh all of their titles. So there's a lot of new new books altogether, starting with number one issues. And some of these are brand new teams. Some of these are characters that just maybe haven't had a book in a while. Um, and the books that are ongoing, they're sort of giving everyone a jumping on point so that you can start with these series this month, even if it's on issue 12 or something, and you won't need to know what happened before. You know, you can just kind of go through. Um, so... Being as we like to talk and give recommendations for new readers on this show, it's a perfect week for us to go through some of these books uh, and talk about what's new. Um, let's talk about one of the new number ones first, one of the most anticipated number ones, I think, of Marvel now, which is Jessica Jones. Uh, after you know the big Netflix series, it was kind of surprising that uh, Marvel did not have a Jessica Jones title in their lineup because usually they like, they like to like, you know capitalize on people's interest from their movies and TV. As one, uh, but, as one does. Right. Uh, but we finally have a Jessica Jones number one, and it actually is reuniting the original creative team that created Jessica Jones in the Alias series, uh, which is uh, Brian Michael Bendis, and I believe Michael Gatos is his name, uh, the artist. Um, so those are the... Michael Gatos also was the original uh, artist for... Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so it's really reuniting that team. Uh, in fact, both of those guys created the character of Jessica Jones together. So the first um, thing I noticed, because I had never read Jessica Jones before, but I was... I have not either. I have not read the original Alias series. So this is my first exposure to like a solo Jessica Jones title. And I'm a big fan of the Netflix series. Mm-hmm. But the first thing I noticed was that she looks quite different in mm-hmm. this. Uh, I mean, obviously, the faces are going to look different because they have to hire actors, right, for live film. Right. But... Like her hair and stuff, like she just she's has a lighter a, brunette. Yeah. She has just a very different kind of vibe about her than um, I forget the actress's name who does her. Uh, Chris Kristen Ritter. Yeah, which she's really great. Um, mm-hmm. I I think the personality is <coughs> pretty much the same. Yeah, and I was actually interested in that because the personality on here is very much the personality from the Netflix series, which is sarcastic and you know serious and dark. Um, which I haven't gotten the vibe of that when Jessica Jones appears in other Marvel titles. Okay. When I've seen Jessica Jones in other Marvel titles, she's usually like with Luke Cage and sort of upbeat and maybe a little like, you know, poking Luke Cage's ribs a little bit, but just kind of a 
a kind mother kind of thing. And maybe that's just because it's being written by different, you know, writers that can't really capture her voice or need her to do something else. But uh, it was kind of refreshing to jump into this comic series and see the Jessica Jones that I knew from the TV series. Yeah. uh, Sort of her voice reappear. What did you think about the issue overall, the story and whatnot? Well, story-wise, this is really just set up, you know? yeah. Like, nothing really concrete happens in this issue, but it does tease a pretty interesting mystery um, with that big kind of last-page reveal. Um, But I kind of wish this had been maybe like a double-size issue that would give us a little bit more. It Uh, feels like it's continuing over from a previous story, and I'm supposed to know a little bit about what's going on. It's not doing that. It's it's. I think it's starting, you know, sort of in the middle of the story, like some comic books will, and it will go back and explain what happened leading up to this. Yeah. But I am I'm very confident, as someone that's been reading most of the Marvel titles out right now, that this is not continuing from anywhere else. Um, I think it's just kind of it's it's trying to drop you into the middle of it and hope that that's going to be interesting enough for you to keep reading to figure out what it's talking about. But uh, it gives you very little concrete stuff to go on other than teasing, like, all these heroes that are angry with Jessica Jones. Um, and I think it's very... It it's establishes the tone really well. I just wish there was a little bit more story-wise that was given out. But at the same time, I'm going to keep reading. So it did that. Yeah, I'll read the next one. <coughs> I If it doesn't pick up within a couple issues with, like, an actual story where I understand what's really going on, then I probably am going to get bored and... And read something else, but well, I I feel like this this did give us the hook of the story. It basically tells us what the hook is. It just hasn't fleshed that out yet. You which know? I'm about to. Which I'm. Let's talk about that. And and since we didn't say it before, be advised: all the books that we talk about, we are very likely to say precisely what happens in them. So spoiler yeah. alert. Um, I was gonna avoid spoilers for the most part, but I feel like we should talk about what this issue really gets into. Right, which is um, that apparently. Jessica Jones has had a child with Luke Cage. They've that, had a child for a few years now, yeah. Okay, and the, and the yeah. child is is just gone, and no one knows is where it is. Missing. And for some reason, everyone thinks that Jessica knows where it is. Yeah, it's a bu- basically a bunch of heroes from Misty Knight, Spider-Woman, and then finally on the last page, Luke Cage is confronting Jessica about where their child is. Um which is, I think is an interesting mystery because Jessica Jones and Luke Cage are married. They have a child. They've had a child for several years, and now that child is missing. I think that's, and apparently Jessica Jones knows where the child is. I think that's intriguing. I think that's interesting. Also, Jessica Jones starts out the issue in jail and then gets released for indeterminate reasons. So I think what that's going to be part of the mystery, too. What is that thing where she's, like, falling from something? So... Jessica Jones doesn't exactly fly, if you'll remember from the TV show, but she does jump incredible distances. So she, the cellar is like an island prison, and she jumps from there to the shore and doesn't quite make it. Oh, I see. Yeah. So she doesn't, it's not an escape of any kind because she's being released. Yeah, she's, she's being released. Like, she's like, all right, see ya. Yeah, they're like, they, they say, you know, uh, you know, I thought someone was going to be here to meet you, but there's another boat coming in uh, 45 minutes, and she just jumps. She's just like, I'm not waiting for the boat. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that, I didn't really understand what was going on. I even went back and read it again and still was not clear, so. Yeah. But um, I thought it was a good issue. Uh, 
it's definitely set up though. I'm interested to see where it goes. All right. Um, yeah. What else, what else did you read this week? I so the the ones that I read were Jessica Jones. I read Deadpool Back in Black. Mm-hmm. And then I read Amazing Spider-Man number 19, which I don't know if that really counts as part of Marvel. I think it, it I think it counts because it's a jumping on point, so I want to kind of include it here. Uh, I'll talk about one other series that I read with a good jumping on point first, which is Champions number one. Uh, Champions is a new series from Mark Wade, and I believe it's Humberto Ramos on art. Yes, Humberto Ramos. Uh, and it's... It's about sort of the younger Marvel heroes um, who are kind of fed up after the events of Civil War. Yeah, I'm, um, I meant to read that. Is that going to be monthly? It is monthly, yeah. Okay. Um, so the team is Miss Marvel, uh, Miles Morales, Spider-Man, uh, Young Nova, uh, the Hulk, which is now Amadeus Cho, and Viv Vision, who is the Vision's da- daughter from the Vision series. Um I thought this issue was really good uh, at setting up, like, why they are going out on their own uh, and why they're sort of upset with the Avengers and then basically setting out to be kind of the people's heroes, you know, like, really representing the the people on the streets instead of just taking on cosmic threats and then just leaving the rubble for everyone else to clean up. How do you uh, feel about the Avengers? Do you find... Do you, are you mad at them, too? Do you share in the the sort of, like point of view of the of these kids well that's what's tough about the series is that civil war is not over yet this series picks up after the events of civil war but we don't know what's happened and so it's tough to really like climb on and know where these guys are coming from because we've still got i think three more issues of civil war that haven't come out yet uh and i'm going to talk about a similar thing when we get to invincible iron man which is that these series are sort of expecting us to like be right there at the end and and it's not there yet. And I don't know if that's because of delays, but the shipping dates for this seem really weird because I mean, this doesn't give any spoilers for the end of civil war, of course, but like it takes place afterwards and it's hard to get on board with these guys. Uh, Um, Okay. So they're upset about things that happen in books that have not even been released yet. Exactly. That's very strange. It's very strange. And, uh, it kind of makes the whole thing a, a bit of a mess. I wish they had just waited and released this after those had come out. But that being said, you know, it still stands alone on its own as a story, and I think it's it's pretty good. I'm usually a big fan of Humberto Ramos's artwork. He's very kind of playful and cartoony, but it looked a little bit exaggerated here, especially in a lot of Miss Marvel's sort of reaction shots. They seemed like very sort of melodramatic. Um, so I'm kind of mixed on this book right now. Uh, it's tough to give a good... Uh, a good review without knowing the events that it's sort of inspired by. But I will say in like the last 10 pages or so, they confront this clown character who's running like a human trafficking ring, uh, and like selling these women for sex and stuff. So it gets really dark. Uh, and the champions sort of jump in and I think it does a really good job of sort of highlighting the thesis of the, of the, what the book's going to be, which is them sort of, you know, uh, taking on these sort of dark, but, you know, human level threats. Um, and so I thought it really picked up there at the end. Um, so I do recommend it, but just know that you're not really missing anything yet because the things it's referring to haven't happened. So yeah, we'll see how that plays out. And spoiler alert, everyone on the team 
is secretly a Hydra agent. <laughs> they all say Hail Hydra on the last page. They always have been Hydra agents because the timeline's <laughs> been rewritten. Uh. So I, I, yeah, I think there's not much more to say about this until Civil War ends, uh, but I'm definitely going to keep reading. Um, so let's talk about Spider-Man. Uh, so I picked Amazing Spider-Man here as a jumping on point. Marvel's not necessarily advertising it as a jumping on point, but the big dead no more clone conspiracy storyline is about to happen. So I told you to jump on with this issue and read through it. What was your impression? Did you get the gist of what was happening? Did you feel like this? you want to keep reading, like this was a good place for you to join in on the action? Yeah, it was fine. Yeah? What did you think of the issue? I wasn't, I wasn't hooked or blown away or anything, but it was fine. It was, in a way, it was just kind of like um, more of like what I feel like I've gotten from the movies, which is like, oh, there goes Peter Parker screwing things up again. Well, and I think, and I feel yeah. like tired of that from from the movies. Like I feel kind of jaded. So that was like yeah. the, basically that was the gist of what I walked away from this issue with was like, oh, oh, poor Peter. Nothing yeah. works. He tries his best, and he's got these abilities, but nothing works out. I would say you're you're coming in, of course, in the middle of a story, sort of. Like I said, it's not a true jumping on point. This is like the part four of a of a lead up to the to the crossover. But I also think that is that has historically been part of Peter's sort of character, which is that he's this superhero and he'll have all these great wins, but generally over time he ends up getting overwhelmed with all the forces stacked against him, and he loses people and he loses things. You know, he loses Gwen Stacy, uh, he loses Uncle Ben, of course. You know. He loses uh, uh, his marriage with MJ. Uh, eventually, these things pile up, and he is—he's—he has to lose things because he's—he needs to also be saving people. He has this responsibility to to help people, and this story is kind of the perfect representation of that. It's him, you know, doing something he thinks is going to be easy, and too many things happen at once, and he ends up letting down uh, someone very close to him, and someone dies uh, in his family in this issue. Um, Do you have the names so yeah. of the, the artists on this book? Yeah, let me get that real quick here. Because the one thing I did really like about it was the art. I thought that yeah. was good. Uh, a lot of, like, Spider-Man swinging through the city, and you see, like, um, I don't know how to describe this, but kind of like a little, like, semi-transparent thing of him. Like, on that one big splash page where it's, like, there you see him, like, a bunch of times because it's, like, showing yeah. how he moves through the city as he's, like, web-slinging. Yeah, and it just looks really cool. Uh, written by Dan Slott, who's been writing Spider-Man for a few years now. Pencils by Giuseppe uh, Camincoli, inks by Cam Smith, and colors by Jason Keith. Uh, but yeah, I really Good like work. the art in this Good issue work, as well. Guys. Yeah, I'm really killing it. Um, I like this issue, but I can definitely see how you could be fatigued by that, especially the first Spider-Man issue you read is one where he screws up, right? You know, and it screws up in a major way. Yeah. Um. But uh, as someone who's been following this character, I, I will say that, you know, in the rest of the series, it hasn't necessarily been like this. You know, he's had some really good wins, uh, but I think it's, this is the point in the, you know, it's been 19 issues and now we're reaching the point where all the things that have been building up against Spider-Man are start going to start to become too much. Uh, what did you think of the Kingpin story at the end? That was good. I liked it. It was cool. I know you're watching Daredevil right now, so... Yeah, I'm in full Kingpin is amazing and terrifying mode right now. I'm actually on the last probably, like, 
20 minutes of the second to last episode in season one, and I just have not been able to bring myself to watch it because I think I know what's about to happen, and it's just, like, too horrible. And, uh, like, this morning I was like, okay, I think I have, like, I'm well-rested. I think I have the strength to to watch it now. But now I just haven't had time, so uh, I'm going to get that wrapped up this weekend, but... Yeah, it was good. It didn't really give a, give me a whole lot to work with, but it was classic, you know. Um, it, King yeah, it's a sh- doing what it's he a does. short little story. Yeah, and Vanessa makes an appearance, right? Um, in sort of an unexpected way. Yeah, uh, and it sets up Kingpin for more involvement in Spider Man going forward. Right. Um, but yeah, so I would say if you want to jump in on Spider Man, do it now. It might be. A little strange because you are coming in in the middle of a story, but you don't need a whole lot of prior knowledge. Most of it is given to you in this issue, and it'll get you caught up in time for the big clone conspiracy uh, event that's going to be starting, I think, this month. I think it starts later this month, maybe next month. Okay. Um, did you read, uh, yeah. so did you read the Deadpool back in black? I did. What did you think of it? It was fine. It was, <laughs> I, feel yeah, like, that's, I feel like that's my reaction to everything this week, and I don't know why, but it was just like, yeah, okay. Well... Deadpool Back in Black is going to be another Deadpool miniseries. It's about four issues. I personally didn't really include it as part of Marvel now, just because Deadpool always has like these four or five issue miniseries. Like Deadpool's got his core book, but he makes so much money that Marvel's constantly putting out these little miniseries about him. Uh, and they're all by different writers, and they're all cute. They're all funny. This is like I this goes back and. I love the premise of it, of, of yeah. which is that Deadpool is partnering up with the symbiote, also known as Venom. Yeah, and this takes place back in time, back when Spider-Man first got the symbiote, before Venom was a big villain, when Spider-Man was wearing the suit. And the premise is that the suit ran away from Spider-Man and clings on to Deadpool for a time, and yeah, this is going to explore actually, that time. the issue actually opens up with Peter Parker underneath the big church bell at the top of that tower, which, is that actually from the... Because I remember that from the third Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movie. It's from the comics, too, from okay. that original storyline. I figured it yeah. had to be. They, I was like, they can't just be pulling that from that horrible movie. Um, <laughs> and then the, the symbiote, you know, is, like, scared of bells or whatever, so he runs and, and ends up with Deadpool. It sounds. The symbiote can't handle loud sounds. That's uh, Venom's weakness. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, and it's got some cute gags uh, referencing, like, 80s Marvel titles, like, and the way they used to, like, tease at the bottom of the pages, like, this this week in Defenders, you know, or this happens, you know, and so there's some pretty cute sort of jokes there. Yeah, um, I mean, I feel like, honestly, Deadpool's comedy stuff, like, his little his little comedy thing that he does in comics doesn't always work for me, and I think it probably depends very heavily on who's writing it. I agree. Yeah, it doesn't always work for me either, which is why I largely avoid these sort of miniseries because they're just kind of a mixed bag. Yeah, and it's like they're trying to be funny, and they feel like they're writing Deadpool, so everything he says has to be funny, but the yeah. person writing it maybe just isn't that funny, or there just isn't really that much to actually work with in terms of humor in the in the story or the plot or whatever. Yeah. So, you know, it's I would, fine. If you like Deadpool, I, I, I suppose you'll like it pretty good. I mean, if you like Deadpool, I recommend the core Deadpool series. I think that's going to have a jumping on point this month with its issue. And it's being written by Jerry Duggan, who's been writing him for years. And he does a really good job at making it funny while also taking the character seriously and, like, giving him actual problems and, you know, things to 
to work out. And so while it's a very funny book, it's also not just about like, let's make Deadpool make as many jokes as possible in 20 pages. You yeah, know? yeah. Um, I got to check that out. I'm honestly probably not going to read the rest of this miniseries uh, just because I'm, like I said, I have a little bit of Deadpool uh, burnout from all these miniseries that he's a part of. I don't know. I think there's another one going on right now. I think there's also a Deadpool versus Gambit series that still isn't ended. I might read the rest of it. I might not. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of miniseries, uh, this week also saw Death of X number one. Uh, The whole premise of Death of X is that it's going to go back and show us how this conflict between the X-Men and the Inhumans started. And if that sounds interesting to you, great, read this book. But if you're like me and you're not really interested in this Inhumans versus X-Men thing that I have talked about on this show before, go ahead and skip this one. It's being written by great writers. I mean, they've got Jeff Lemire, I think, and Charles Soule on this. And it's written really well, but at this point, they're just not going to make me care about X-Men versus Inhumans. And to top it all off, apparently this four-issue miniseries is going to be followed by an ongoing actually called Inhumans versus X-Men. So I guess that's going to be a thing for a while now. Is the reason that they're um, is it is it that they're not going to make you care because you know that really underneath all of the storytelling and so forth, they're really just doing this whole thing as a marketing maneuver? It's not even that. Like, sure, I don't I don't even know if I believe that or not. I mean, it's probably true to some degree. I definitely believe it. I've like since you talked about it on on here, I have heard other people talk about it too and i've read about it and it seems glaringly obvious i just don't like it because i don't think it's interesting for the x-men i don't think it's a good representation of what they do i'm sick of seeing stories like this in the x-men i want the x-men to be a powerful team again fighting real threats and not being forced with to just face extinction every three years you know yeah um so it was a really well-written issue. If you're interested in the Inhumans, I'm sure you will like the series. Pick it up. But, uh, man, I was just like, do we have to keep going through this? Like, give the X-Men something else to do, please. Um, and it's got my favorite X-Men in it. Iceman's in it. But, you know, as always, not really given much to do. Yeah. Um, Are we going to talk about Night of the Monster Men? I guess if you want to, there were, I feel like this is kind of a downer episode. We're just like for every, every comic, like we're just like, yeah, it was good, but you know, I'm, and you know, uh, before we move on to night of the monster men, let's sort of, I've got one more jumping on point for Marvel that I want to talk about. Okay, go. Um, and then we'll kind of wrap up the Marvel now thing. Uh, Dr. Strange number 12 had a jumping on point uh, this week. And this is a book I can strongly recommend. Doctor Strange has been good since issue one. It had this giant, like, 10-issue arc about the death of magic. And now, basically, when this year, when this issue picks up, we've got a Doctor Strange who has lost all most of his magical abilities and is forced to, like, find these remnants of magic throughout the Earth and use these sort of tools uh, because uh, the Earth has largely been drained of magic in this last arc. Uh, but his enemies are seeing him weakened and come after him with their full power. So Baron Mordo, who's going to be the villain in the Dr. Strange movie in November comes and attacks him. Uh, and another villain shows up at the end. So if you are excited about the Dr. Strange movie, read this now. Like it's got the characters that you're going to see in the movie. It's really well written. Uh, and this is the place to jump on. So if you're excited about this Dr. Strange movie, Dr. Strange number 12, I do recommend this with no caveats, just, Check it out. Um, 
So to wrap up Marvel now, this week we had Jessica Jones, Doctor Strange, Death of X, Deadpool Back in Black, Champions, and Amazing Spider-Man. There was also Cage number one, but I'm not really going to talk about that. That's also a miniseries. My recommendations are Jessica Jones, Doctor Strange, Champions. I do recommend Champions because I think it's going to go to some really cool places, and it's not the book's fault that the publishing schedule is messed up and Amazing Spider-Man. I think these are all strong books, um, and uh, I do give them my recommendation. I'm going to keep reading all of them. Probably not going to keep up on Death of X or Deadpool Back in Black. And are you following? Which ones are you going to stick with? And do you feel like you're going to go back and check out Champions? I will, yeah. Okay. I I guess so. I'm a little turned off to it because of the publishing, the Civil War stuff, whole, yeah. yeah, that whole deal. But I yeah, guess it's kind of shooting itself in the foot. I will take your word for it. Yeah. You um, know when Kingpin number one is coming? No, and I can't find it listed on Marvel's website. It was in the previews book, but uh, I haven't seen any mention of it since. So okay. maybe it's been delayed. Okay. Oh, it's like my huge... number one Marvel book that I was looking forward to. Speaking of new series that we're excited about, New York Comic Con, they just announced that uh, Miss America is getting her own series. Oh, yeah. Uh, finally, next year, uh, and it's just called America. And it's just going to be a solo book about Miss America Chavez, uh, who we've talked about on the show as a member of the Ultimates, one of my all-time favorite Marvel characters, and I'm so excited to see her getting her own series. Yeah, I'll read that. Um, I'll read yeah. that. When's that That'll coming be coming out? in. Uh, they just said 2017. They haven't even announced the creative team for it yet. They just showed the first cover. Okay. So it'll probably be a little ways into 2017, but I'm excited about it already. Okay. So, <coughs> Monster Men. Yeah. Monster Men. It's, it's still going. It's still going. It's been five issues now. And it's been five issues in three weeks, so it's it's really a breakneck pace, but... I had three books of it to keep up with this week because I didn't read Detective Comics last week. And, man, it was tough getting through all three issues and staying invested. <laughs> I got to say. I thought Batman number eight, it picked up a little bit. Yeah, whenever it focuses on Batman, it's pretty cool. But but it also is just the same old, like, Batman going for the gambit. Like, Batman, he's flying up in the air and he's going to, oh, oh, Bruce, wait, no, oh, he's going for it. Oh, he pulled it off because he's, because I'm Batman. Here's, here's two things I realized about it this week. Number one, there's a lot of really, truly ridiculous stuff that's happening, right? And that's not necessarily a bad thing. We've got these giant monsters attacking Gotham City. Then we've got, oh, these guys in the cave, they're getting this fungus dripped on them that makes them evil. But then they, they scare off the fungus, but then turns into another giant monster. Which and that I monster knows actually, where Nightwing is. I thought it was actually really cool. It really was pretty cool, that. but we're stacking on all of these sort of like giant, ridiculous... Uh, challenges for Batman, and I feel like there were no seeds planted for this. Like, I feel like if we had been Really, like that seeing, whole time people kept saying the Monster Men are coming and... Right, but but that, it didn't mean them. anything. They were killing was, themselves. And, yeah, we saw they, people killing themselves. We saw it, people saying it all, Monster Men. They've pieced it all together now that the whole time this was Hugo Strange working in the shadows doing what he, what he always does. I just don't think anything prepared us for what this story was actually going to be like, that it was going to be this ridiculous Batman and his friends fight giant psycho monsters and get turned into monsters. Basically your classic kaiju story. 
Yeah, and I just don't feel like we were prepared for this with the tone of the Batman books prior to this. We were given little hints that a story was coming, but it didn't... But all of a sudden, we're thrust into the middle of, you know, Batman fighting an 80-story, multi-headed ice beast or something. And it's like, I feel like they could have set this up a little bit more. But what I also realized is I bet this is going to be how DC keeps up with this crazy publishing schedule. You know, they're they're pushing these books every two weeks. It only makes sense that after like six issues, they've got to hand the reins over to another writer to give Tom King and his artists time to catch up, you know? Yeah. So I feel like this might be a sort of regular thing where we push all these books twice monthly and then we have to let someone else take over to give them a chance to catch up. And I'm not really stoked about that idea. And I also will say, I mean, I feel like for what's going on in this story arc, I feel like it could have happened in like two issues. Yeah, it's been a lot. Five issues was like it's a lot of these the the Bat Family, which I always do like seeing the Bat Family work together. That's always yeah. fun. I like those kind of stories, but I feel like it's getting it is getting pretty repetitive. Yeah, but I I think I told you this the the final reveal on the last page of Nightwing. Uh, I thought was interesting. Um, Where it shows uh, Hugo Strange in the bat suit. Yeah, Hugo Strange like putting on Batman's costume. Yeah, he's so he's such a weirdo. It's it's I he's a good character. So I feel like the finale, which comes out later this week, might be interesting. But I'm really ready for these books to get back to their normal stories. Mostly just Batman because that's the only one I read. Okay, so one thing I just want to say is. Can all of the DC writers, or not the writers, can all of the DC artists that are going to draw Batman, I'm wondering if maybe they could just have like a little roundtable meeting where they can all <laughs> sit down and they can talk about like the Batman costume and like what color they think it is and like what, <laughs> what, what color it is in their hearts. Uh-huh. And, then, and then they can all agree that it actually is black and it it should just be black. Yeah. I mean, I haven't really noticed that, but I did notice some weird art stuff going on. I'm noticing it like crazy. And I, I wish I could remember which book it is. One of these books, it's like constantly like this bluish purple, which sometimes you get some tones of that, even when it's being depicted as, as basically black because like in different lightings, they use color to make the lighting kind of like stand out, you know what I mean, to make it more vivid. Mm-hmm. But then there's at least one of these books from that I just read in the last week or so where it's like it's like purple all the time. And then sometimes it's more blue. And then sometimes it's straight up black. And yeah. it's like, okay, pick one, you know? And I yeah. think I, I think when to put Batman in a purple cape and cowl makes him look kind of <coughs> like clownish. Especially compared to Batwoman, because she's in that sleek you know, black, black and red color scheme. Yeah. And then Batman comes in with his like purple cape and it's just like, dude, I mean, I liked the purple lining on the cape. Yeah. But for the outside of it to be purple. I don't know. I'm not a fan of that. Fair. Makes Definitely look, fair. Makes him look silly. Um, did you read Superman number eight this, this week? Uh, there, is there another one since the carnival one? Yeah. Oh, yeah. no. Haven't Came read it this week. I didn't even realize it, it was out. It is goofy as fuck. Spoiler alert, it's goofy as fuck. Is it uh, good? I don't know. <laughs> the premise is like, 
Superboy is building this device for his science fair that he saw in a dream. And then that device ends up teleporting them to this island with a bunch of like World War II planes and tanks and stuff and dinosaurs. And so it's like the premise is like Superman and Superboy are like trapped on this island with dinosaurs and, uh, I don't know, World War II gear and stuff. And like on the last page, it reveals the title of this story, which is like, uh, escape from dinosaur Island. Mm. So it's, it's real weird and goofy. I don't know if I'm for or against it yet. Like if, if, I'm kind of on board with, like, let's put Superman, like, let's stop having him face, like, these giant, maniacal, evil geniuses. Let's stick him on a time-traveling island with dinosaurs. Like, I'm kind of on board with the premise. I I think it just remains to be seen how they pull it off. As long as it doesn't get all stupid and messy like that Annihilator arc. Yeah. Um, Agreed. Um, So, I don't know. I I just was wondering if you were reading it. Uh, I don't have much more to say other than that and that. It was weird. Well, I certainly will read it now. I don't. I. I don't know. I. I wish that we could just stick with that vibe that we've we've talked about this before, where it's like kind of that Superman trying to be a family man thing. Yeah, and the they do seem to be just like that. Like I. I enjoy that, and when I'm in the mood for something to make me like a book that I just want something to make me feel good at the end of a long day, like that's I love that. You know. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, I feel like they keep changing the genre of this book on us. Yeah. Which is kind of okay, but like... It's like, but it's I, like we I had found a, we had, one that I liked. Yeah, we had a good yeah. thing going here, man. What do you... <laughs> why, <laughs> why are you making things so complicated? Why yeah. do you have to go and make things so complicated? Remember that? Do the rest of the song. Yeah, yeah. sing the rest of the song. Early 2000s gem. I love it. Uh, speaking of weird, uh, Flintstones number four didn't, sold me on the series. Didn't read it yet, but I did read the synopsis, and and yes, that is the correct answer. Yeah, it sold me. It's uh, the premise is uh, there's all this controversy about cavemen now wanting to get married. Like the, uh, the traditional way they do things is is called the sex cave, where you just go in a cave and you. And people, you know, you have sex and you have kids, but, like, it's all polygamous and no one stays together. And so this concept of marriage comes around and everyone's, you know... Uh, uh, socially, di- socially stigmatized. Exactly. Anyone that's married is, like, considered, like, a pervert. And they go to, like, this retreat uh, for married couples. And, like, some of the married couples are saying, like, I hate being married. You know, like, there's this cranky old married couple. And then uh, Fred and Wilma are there. And... Then at the end, these two men want to get married, and the guy that's been, like, defending marriage is like, just let people do what they want to do, you know? Let them be together. Then these men are like, we want to get married, and he's like, no. And and so it, it's it's really funny, and also, like, really kind of poignant and like there's this there's this panel where like fred is just talking about like what scares him about marriage about how he's worried like he's locking wilma into being with him uh you know and she what if she falls out of love with him and she wants to be with someone else did he trap her in this you know and like it it was an incredible issue of the fucking flintstones yeah i don't know so (laughs) i just don't know What's going on it's, with the Flintstones? Like, where I did know. They, where is this coming from? 
I don't know, man, but this issue was so good. It was it was probably I'm looking at my list of what I read this week, and this I think was my second favorite issue of anything I read this week. What was your number one? My number one was Invincible Iron Man. I'm gonna get to that in a second, but oh, okay. uh I really recommend Flintstones. Okay. Um, do you have anything you want to talk about before I get to Iron Man? Uh, I was going to just briefly mention Glitter Bomb number one from Image. That came out last month, right? It was a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Is it good? I didn't read it. It's quite good. Yeah. I liked it a lot. It it reminded me a lot of what I like in Killer Be Killed. Okay. And it's um, basically... To the, they kind of just set up where the story is going, which is that, I don't know what exactly, it's pretty vague what happens to this woman, the protagonist, but she's like a struggling actress trying to get parts and pay her bills, and she's very got this very cynical outlook, and it's established that she had some success early on in her career, but now she's pretty washed up and having trouble landing roles, and uh, she's got this kid that she's trying to take care of. And she goes to the beach after <coughs> after getting rejected for a part, and she's down on the beach, and somehow she I think she like goes and gets in the water, and she gets pulled under by the undertow or something, and there's some like creepy voices talking to her and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and and when she comes out, she's got like this some kind of big apparatus with like a claw on the end that like will just like shoot out of her mouth and kill people. Okay. Uh, like there's this homeless guy on the beach trying to like take her stuff, trying to basically like steal her, her car and she ends up just killing him and it's pretty brutal. And, um, (laughs) I don't really know like where it's going exactly, but I'm very intrigued by it and I like the writing style. I like the art. Um, the writer on it is named Jim Zub or Zub, Z-U-B. Jim Zub. Yeah. He's writing, um, Thunderbolts for Marvel right now. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, glitter bomb number one was quite good. I'm gonna read more. It uh, will probably feed that that part of me that wants more killer be killed in the yeah. off weeks where I don't have killer be killed. This will give me another thing to read. That's kind of nice. It's, it's got a similar, like the the protagonists kind of remind me of each other. I'll go back and read it uh, so that we can talk about it on here. Cool. More in depth. And one, um, I'm just going to mention also one that yeah. I'm excited for, which is called Mother Panic. It's coming out from DC's Young Animal imprint, which okay. I just found out today, I guess, was started by Gerard Way of My Chemical Romance. Huh, that's interesting. not a band that I like, but um, <laughs> I guess that's pretty cool that he's doing comic books. And it, I don't know. I, I don't really know anything about this book. I've just seen ads for it. And it look, it sounds cool. It's going to be about, I guess, a very brutal female vigilante in Gotham City. And okay. the whole point of this imprint is to tell more adult stories within the DC universe. Totally. So I'm all over a grittier, darker Gotham story. Yeah, I'll check that out too. Um, so I want to talk about Invincible Iron Man number 14, uh, which came out this week, which I wouldn't necessarily say is a jumping on point, but it is kind of a good self-contained story uh, if people wanted to check it out. This was easily the best comic I read this week and maybe the best comic I've read in a while. Um, and it, for me, it, it sort of justified the entire Civil War II experience. I haven't hated Civil War II. I've talked about it on here. I think it's pretty good. Uh, I have some, you know... Uh, caveats to that, but I think Civil War II has largely been very well written. But 
this issue in particular shows Tony Stark, uh, who's sort of stressed as hell because of all the Civil War II stuff about having to go up against Captain Marvel and seeing his best friend Rhodey die, and now Bruce Banner has died, and he basically wants to start drinking again. As I think a lot of people know, Tony Stark was an alcoholic, uh, and there it was a big deal when he sort of got cleaned up and went sober. Um, and so... This issue is him basically saying, I've got to go to a meeting. I've got to go to an AA meeting or else I'm going to start drinking again. Uh, But he knows Captain Marvel was also an alcoholic. And not only did Captain Marvel get sober, but Tony Stark was her sponsor in AA. And now they're on opposing sides of this conflict. And he's like, I know Captain Marvel is going to be in the same boat because her lover you know, just died and Bruce Banner died and she's feeling the same stress I am. So he goes out of his way to try a new AA group and he goes there kind of in disguise. And there's these really authentic feeling scenes of like these people talking at AA. And then Tony Stark goes to talk and it turns out Captain Marvel is there. Um, and he storms out and they have just this heart to heart outside the AA meeting in plain clothes, sitting on the curb. Um, and it was just a very, it was the most subtle and human interaction to come out of civil war two. There were no punches traded. Nobody was in costume. It was just two kind of broken people trying to get help and trying to work it out together. And I thought it was really beautifully written. Um, and I don't even think he gets in the Iron Man suit once in the entire thing, you know? There's no action. It's just... So it's about Tony Stark. It's Tony Stark dealing with his demons and Captain Marvel dealing with her demons. And, you know, they don't reconcile at the end. You know, Captain Marvel basically says, I believe in this so strongly that, you know, if you get in my way, I'll do whatever it takes to stop you. But, you know, you can tell that these people, that they love each other, you know, like, not in like a, they're in love with each other, but like Tony Stark mentions at one point, like, I love you, Carol. We've been through a lot together. Let's please just stop this. And she's like, I can't, you know? And then he um, grabs his blaster, blows her head <laughs> off, turns toward the viewer and says, Hail, Hail Hydra. Hydra. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the big twist ending. Continue um, next month. Uh but I thought it was a really beautiful story um, and really humanizing for both characters. Uh, it sort of ends on a cliffhanger, though, again, relating to things in Civil War II that haven't happened yet. But that was really just the last couple panels. But, um, yeah, it was, a, it was a really amazing issue. And this is actually the last issue of Invincible Iron Man. After this, the Iron Man reigns are going to be handed over to uh, Riri Williams, who is a young black high school girl who designs her own Iron Man suit. She's going to be kind of the new Iron Man. Oh, cool. And Doctor Doom is also going to be taking on the Iron Man mantle um, coming up in Marvel now. So this was the last issue of Tony Stark as Iron Man for probably a while. Did you say Doctor Doom? Yes. So Dr. Doom is supposedly newly reformed and wants to be a hero. That's fine. That's all I need to know. And so he's going to be the new (laughs) Iron Man. Um, So we're going to see how that goes. But uh, this was the last issue of Tony Stark as Iron Man, and it's very, I think, important that it wasn't him fighting at all, but just kind of him dealing with himself. Um, Okay. Which is really good. Um, Finally, the last book I want to talk about, because it was so great, Unbeatable Squirrel Girl beats up the Marvel Universe. 
a uh, new graphic novel. You said he, last last week you were excited about Squirrel Girl. I, you were all on board with Squirrel I Girl. I, I don't know how I feel anymore. I don't know. Look, what, what are we doing here, Squirrel Girl? I don't. <laughs> this week, Marvel released a graphic novel about Squirrel Girl. A graphic novel is like. Uh, if a comic book series is like the TV show you're watching, a graphic novel is like the movie they make out of that TV series. It's like the length of like six issues or so, and it's one giant story. And this concerns Squirrel Girl. Uh, there's a clone made of Squirrel Girl, and it turns out she wants to take over the world. And so all the Marvel heroes try to stop her, and Squirrel Girl ends up beating all of the Marvel heroes and all of the Marvel villains and sending them to the negative zone. And the only person left to stop this evil Squirrel Girl is Squirrel Girl. And it's truly ridiculous, and it's hysterically funny. Uh, I it's a little expensive because it is a graphic novel, and I think it's only in hardcover right now. But I bought it, and I thought it was just really fantastic. Um, that Squirrel Girl team continues to just make me laugh nonstop. Uh, so I definitely recommend. That's uh, a huge recommendation. Unbeatable Squirrel Girl beats up the Marvel Universe graphic novel. Yeah, I, for, Check it I, out. I was supposed to read that too, and I forgot to do it. But I'm yeah. definitely going to. It's uh, Squirrel Girl's great. I'm major on Team Squirrel Girl. Okay. But that's it for comics this week, I think. We went over everything. We'll have more Marvel Now books next week. Uh, I haven't looked at what's coming out, but I know there's some new number ones. Um, so, do we want to talk Westworld? Oh, yeah. Let's talk Westworld. What do you have to say about it? I think it's just awesome. I mean, I have, uh, I have, I have to say, I mean, I, yeah, it is a, it's, it's really challenging. Yeah. Because I don't know how to, how to feel about it. And I was, even when I was watching it, I was like, I've read some pieces since watching it that talk about how it is sort of commentary on (coughs) video games. Which I can see that. I didn't really pick up on or, or necessarily think that's exactly what they were going for, and I'm still not convinced, but it did, right. even when I was watching it, it did make definitely make me start to ponder some of those questions about, you know, because you're watching it and, well, I guess, do you want to talk about the premise real quick before I go into analyzing? Yeah, so... Uh if you there's there's been one episode of Westworld. It's a new TV series on uh, HBO from Jonathan Nolan, the brother of Christopher Nolan uh, and J.J. Abrams. Um, the premise is that sometime in the future, there's this theme park called Westworld, which is a recreation of an old West town that is completely populated by artificial intelligence robots, and these robots are completely indistinguishable to human beings. And so you, when you go to the theme park, you can either just you know go around and explore and, you know, make friends with these robots, or you can have sex with them, you can kill them, you know, there's no consequences for anything you do here. So some people go to, you know, enact their wildest fantasies, some go just for the experience. Um, Some go as as wholesome, this is a wholesome family trip. Yeah. But then there's Um, people who go that have darker aspirations that are just sadistic with these robots right and you see Um, some you see some pretty gross stuff happen yeah and not only do you follow uh do you follow the um the theme park side of things but you also follow behind the scenes and the people that create the robots and maintain the park and how they maintain it and in when the series starts off, there's a new software update that's been pushed to these robots that has caused some of them to sort of break their natural uh, 
coding, and that might end up being dangerous for the guests at the park. Sort of a Jurassic Parky kind of premise, but dealing more with robots and uh, AI. So it's like, I it's like you're watching it, and to me, the whole time, I'm because you can't help when you see the way that some of the characters are treating these machines. You obviously you can't help but feel just disgusted by it. Yeah, because there's you know, uh, there's a part where basically. The one of the, one of the because these you know these animatronics or robots whatever you want to call them they believe that they're real people, and their yeah. AI seems to be advanced enough that they have, I mean it's not really discussed or spelled out like to what extent they have cognition and feelings and things like that but they appear to have feelings they appear to have yeah. uh, full sentience and and belief in their relationships with each other, and you know you see one of them her her parents basically get murdered in front of her and then she gets yeah. pulled into a into a barn and raped. Yeah. And it's like you can't help feeling disgusted by it all. But at the same time, like in the back of my head I'm wondering like is this actually that different than what a lot of people already are doing in games? Obviously right. they haven't made a game where you can rape people. <coughs> We're pretty far out from that, but well, I mean Custer's Revenge. Okay. So there are some it was an Atari game oh. where you were basically a you were General Custer and you raped Native American women. Well, okay, uh, so obviously that you know doesn't fly now in today's right. culture, but uh, it didn't really fly back then either. I don't think. <laughs> and I remember, and I remember talking to you about that there was like a Grand Theft Auto game where you could like have sex with prostitutes and things yeah. like that, and it was really controversial. Um, and this made me think of that, and it's like, is so is this really that different? Like. First of all, you have to ask yourself, like, is it wrong? Because do they have? Do these robots have feelings? Do should they be treated like real people? Is it wrong to kill them, to abuse them, to torture them, to sexually assault them? Um, and is it really that different from what people already do, other than just that it's more realistic? And the direction that we're obviously going in gaming is that things continue to get more and more realistic. And at what point? Do we stop and say, like, this is sick. This is toxic to the human mind and to our society. Right. It's so I've been wrestling with these questions since I watched it. There's a lot of, yeah, moral dilemma kind of raised in here that, yeah, definitely it doesn't give you any clear-cut way to feel about what's happening. It just yeah. shows you what's happening yeah. and lets you decide how you feel about it. And it's like there's one character in it who's obviously the, you know, the bad <coughs> The bad guy, the bad actor, who is very, very brutal. He's the one in the aforementioned rape scene. And yeah. it's like, you, you. I think anybody watching who's not a sociopath is going to be on the same page of like, well, obviously I don't want to be him. Right. But then you're like, but are we already? Are we him already? Yeah. And there, you know, there was a game that came out a little while ago called Hatred, where, I don't know if you heard about this, it was on... Steam, mm-hmm. I think, or maybe Steam might have dropped it, and then there was a lot of controversy because gamers were just very upset. It's a game where you play a serial killer, and the whole point of the game is just to go around killing innocent people, like very brutally. And, yeah. you know, the people like beg for their lives and things like that. The whole game is set in very dark tones with eerie music, and it's just a very dark, disturbing thing. Like, even watching the trailer um, made me like, nauseous 
Yeah. And so it's like, I feel like in a lot of ways we're already going that direction. And, and just games like that raise that philosophical question of like, is this wrong? Is this bad for people? What is the effect that this has? And, and where is this, where are we going with this stuff? Yeah. And you know, the other thing, uh, about the series is we had talked about when we were watching it, you said, you know, uh, how could they let this happen? How would anyone let this theme park be made? And then you kind of realize that when it started, the robots weren't necessarily completely realistic. You know, you could still tell they were robots, you know, they, they weren't as flawless as they are now. So it's probably a slow progression. And they even from touch, like, they even touch on that through the dialogue in the episode. Yeah, like one of the like, there's a point where you see one of the first robots that was made, and he looks less realistic. And then there's some dialogue at some point between two of the park administrators, where one of the guys is saying, "You know, maybe we should roll back the updates a little bit. Yeah, make it less realistic. Yeah, because like, how realistic do these people really want it? And and he kind of implies that it's getting to the point of being kind of sick. Yeah, but it happened so gradually, you know, that eventually you're at this point, and if you were to just come into this point, you know, like we do in this series and see what's happening, we think this is so sick. But if society was slowly built up to it, you know, and I'm sure there has been resistance just like there is to violent video games, but for every person saying, you know, this is sick, people shouldn't do it, there's another person saying, well, this is just an opportunity for people to blow off steam, this right. is a and safe it's, way it's, for people to let out their anger without actually turning to other human beings. And people which saying is, it's, it's you know, just a game. Yeah, it's just a game, it's not real, they're not real people, you know, and so as much as you start the series and you're like, how could this ever exist? The more you think about it and, you know, how our society tends to progress towards allowing things like that to happen, it's not that far-fetched, you know, yeah, if the and technology I guess, was there. I guess the difficult thing for me is, like, I generally am somebody who's really against censorship. Yeah. And really against this idea of not letting people play games and not letting these games be made and so forth. You know, that, that kind of controversy, I'm usually on, on the other side of it saying like, yeah. let people do what they want. It's just a game, you know, but mm-hmm. then it's like, is this what we're seeing in this show ultimately going to be the consequence of continuing down that path? And it, so it's, yeah, it's good. Yeah, and it's it's also so beautifully written and acted. All the actors like really nail it. There's some beautiful shots of like these this western landscape, but even the interior shots of like the facility that they operate out of are super dark and eerie uh and cool looking. Uh just really well directed. Um this is one of those premises that's like so complex that if you do it wrong, it can just be stupid or it can be, you know, sort of hitting you over the head with its themes. But I feel like it's so delicately uh, put all of its pieces in place that uh, it handled it really well. I hope that it continues that way and that the storytelling yeah. remains, uh, you know, rich and, and layered and so forth and that this doesn't just devolve into gratuitous sex and violence. Or that it doesn't devolve into just lesson telling. Like, this is the lesson we're trying to teach you. And our yeah. lesson is, yeah, you know, yeah. violence is bad. You know, like, I don't want it to pander to me in terms of telling me what its message is. I want it to be more open-ended yeah, you don't and want just to show be, me consequences. You don't want to be spoon-fed you know? the morals or the, you know, have right. it be preaching to you. It's it's, but it's, it's and, and that's the beauty of that first episode is, like, I feel like we're now we're wrestling with this stuff and trying to figure out how we feel about it. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, it's got to walk that line of like not just being gratuitous sex and violence and also not being too blunt with its message, you know? Did you know that it's actually based on a movie from like the 70s? Yeah, it's which was written by Michael Crichton, uh, who later did Jurassic Park. And they even turned it, they made a sequel too, without his involvement, I think. And there was a very short-lived TV series based on it that I think only went for three episodes. Was it a, um, was it a book before it was a movie, do you know? No, which is interesting because Michael Crichton usually is the, an author and then his books get turned into movies. But this was right after the first movie uh, of based on one of his works, The Andromeda Strain, came out. And he wrote this specifically for film. Okay. So I don't think there was ever a book version unless they adapted it from the movie. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's very good. I'm going to keep watching it. It makes me a little queasy at times because I'm not big on the violence, but... I can power through it, I suppose. Yeah. New episode uh, this Sunday, so... If there's one thing I am into, it's intellectually stimulating philosophical quandaries delivered to <laughs> science fiction. <laughs> That's the new slogan for the show. <laughs> I like it. Cool. Yeah, Any anything else we wanted to talk about this week? Um... No, I, think I would say keep tweeting at us. Uh, we are at P Much Obsessed on Twitter. Uh, send us questions. Send oh, us things a, that you want us to talk about. There's a new Sun and Moon trailer. That looks pretty cool. Oh, I haven't seen it yet. When yeah, did that come out? Uh, I don't know. Sometime in the last week, I think. It's got some Oof. really cool CGI stuff that's definitely not gameplay, but it still looks really <laughs> cool. And then it's got a lot, okay. of, a lot of gameplay stuff too. I mean, I'm really excited for those games. Yeah. Uh, great. I'm, I'm really excited too. I can't wait till we can talk about them on the show once they come out. So yeah, tweet to us at P much obsessed. The P is for pretty because you're, mm. because you're pretty. You're pretty. <laughs> we love the listeners. True. They're pretty, uh, pretty cool. <laughs> but that's it for this week. Uh, <laughs> we'll be, we'll be back next week. Uh, and we'll have more books to talk about. So thanks for listening. None of, I feel like no one else will be back next week after I just completely creeped everybody out. <laughs> uh, it, I promise that next episode, uh, Chris will not be that creepy. Okay. I, I can't make that promise. Yeah, I can't either. <laughs> <laughs> All right. See you next week. Goodbye. Bye guys.